0: Discerninghearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents Struggles in the Spiritual Life Their Nature and Their Remedies with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is the author of many best selling books on the theology and spirituality of St. Ignatius of Loyola. He holds the St. Ignatius Chair of Spiritual Formation at St. John Theological Seminary in Denver, Colorado. Struggles in the Spiritual Life Their Nature and Their Remedies with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Father Gallagher.
1: I'm always happy to be here.
0: I know there are many out there who are so excited to be able to have you to guide them through this wonderful work that Sophia Institute Press has published Struggles in the Spiritual Life Their Nature and Their Remedies. And it's just such a practical approach. And it I think for many, at least I know for me, as I'm reading it, it reveals those aha moments. I knew it, but I didn't know I knew it. And to have it spelled out in such a gentle, but very clear way, I think is a real gift to us all. So thank you.
1: Well, it's nice of you to say all of that. And The thought that comes to my mind is that um, the real guide here is the spiritual tradition of our church, ultimately the Holy Spirit, obviously. But if the book is uh, effective in what it sets out to do, it just breaks open that wisdom that has accrued over these 2,000 years. And at this point in the reflections, focuses somewhat on uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola's description of Well, we've been looking at non-spiritual, human, physical, psychological issues and how they impact the spiritual life. Now we're going to turn to specifically spiritual issues. And so um, along with the joy of the spiritual life, there will be these struggles from time to time. And with the help of Ignatius and later uh, other figures in our tradition, we'll try to sift these out, uh, untie the knots, if we can use that phrase, and then... um, identify what's going on and then supply the remedy. So it's such a blessing to have such a rich spiritual tradition and it's, it's, it's a privilege to
0: share it. And it's, you know, it, the title, as it says, struggles in the spiritual life, the nature and the remedies, those remedies in a very real way come from not uh, only the, the great wealth of saintly uh, doctors of the church and saints but there is one in particular, Saint Ignatius of Loyola, in his Ignatian spirituality, as it's been come to be known throughout the years. That too is a real blessing, isn't it?
1: It is. You know, it's a remarkable gift that the Holy Spirit gave to the entire Church through this man. He, in one sense, he doesn't add anything at all to the spiritual life, at least in terms of the issues we're talking about; these various struggles. But what he does do and it's enormous is to name them, you know to identify them in his customary economy of words. so it's his descriptions are brief, but they're absolutely on target with these various um, kinds of issues and struggles we can experience in the spiritual life so that he has um, I, I would say without hesitation, the most practical and most usable teaching about this in the entire Catholic spiritual tradition, on which he depends, obviously, but then with the grace of the Holy Spirit formulates in a way that we call Ignatian, but it's just a very clear and usable representation of the classic wisdom of the church.
0: In the book, we've had the conversations earlier about what we've, has been turned the non-spiritual desolation uh, those things that can affect our body uh, to make sure that, you know, we're eating right, we're getting enough sleep, uh, those things emotionally that we might just need a little help that is uh, kind of poking at us in our humanity and how that needs to be addressed in order to kind of determine how we can overcome these struggles with God's grace But now we're going to begin the conversations about those forms of spiritual desolation, the more classically understood. Right.
1: Well, let's just plunge right in. And uh, the same methodology, we have a different figure this time. This is Julie. We'll find out that Bob is her husband. And what we have is a series of emails between Julie and her friend, Emily. Emily appears to be somebody who is further along in the spiritual life. And not as a spiritual director in any formal sense, but as a friend and as one who loves the Lord, she is of great help to Julie, as Julie is beginning to take new steps to grow in her spiritual life. So uh, in the first of these emails, she tells Emily that prayer seems more alive now. She's starting to get to Mass during the week when she's able to, and she finds that she has greater peace than before. Three weeks later, another email. In the meantime, Emily has proposed to her that she consider spending 10, 15 minutes praying with the daily readings when she can't get to Mass. And she started to do that and tells Emily, I never thought I could do that. But she finds that uh, with the help of the book that Emily has supplied for her, she is able to do it and uh, finds herself looking forward to it. A month later, yet another email, and um, she says, Prayer continues to be a blessing, and I'm beginning to think that this time I may really persevere. I might even take further steps to grow in prayer. So this is any one of us who has been taking new steps to grow in the spiritual life and finds with delight that these actually make a difference in in a blessed way that uh, we have more peace, we're able to be more patient and loving with others at home or at work or in the church. And we begin to get a sense of hope that uh, I may really be able to continue to walk this journey and growth may really be possible. The next email is three months later, and uh, she says to Emily, even the length of time tells us something. I know it's been a long time since I replied to your email, and I imagine that you've been worrying. I don't know what's happened. Okay, that's going to get us right to where we need to be here. All that peace, that joy, that gratitude, and that sense of growth I talked about in the earlier emails, it isn't the same anymore. So this is the point when there's been growth, and we've loved the fruitfulness of it. We've felt the Lord's closeness. Our faith is more alive. We have more energy for the spiritual life. And then at a certain point, that's gone and it leaves us, like Julie, confused. The hard thing is that I don't understand this. I try to pray, and I just feel confused. To be honest, because it's gotten harder, sometimes I don't pray. What's going on? Was that joy I felt earlier real? If it was, why don't I feel it now? It's easy to get discouraged. A week later, So, Emily has written back uh, in an encouraging way. Thank you for your encouragement, but I still feel disheartened. I thought I was making such good progress and that this time I would really persevere. Now I'm not so sure. How many times have I tried to grow spiritually? And you know how often I've given up. The best word I can use for it is darkness. I'm confused, I don't see clearly. I don't understand what's happening in my life of prayer, and I feel like it will get worse. What do you do in times like this? How do you make sense out of it? Just parenthetically, Julie is already doing one of the most helpful things she can do. She's reaching out to not be alone in this time, and she has a good spiritual friend with whom she can do this. Uh, How do you make sense out of this? Why does God allow it? Good question. She's doing her best to grow and love the Lord, and this happens. Things seem so good before. Now they have gotten heavier and darker, and I don't know why. Can't anyone help me? The danger is that I'll just give up. So let's approach this with reverence because we're, as we've said so many other times, we're on holy ground in, in Julie's spiritual experience here. Now, my guess would be that anybody uh, taking part you know, over time or over space in this conversation, we'll probably recognize what uh, Julie is describing here that we probably all experience that at times. And there's the danger there is that uh, Julie, if she simply does get discouraged, that's uh, all dark, it makes sense out of it, things are going badly, it's probably going to get worse. I'm just going to give up the way I always do when I try something new. The danger is that she really will give up and all of the growth will be undone in her spiritual life. So what's going on here? How do we explain it? Obviously, this is not on the non-spiritual level. There's no physical or emotional issue that you know, we can point to. There's no burnout like with Paul. This appears to be strictly on the the spiritual level, the level of her relationship with God and her spiritual life. Now, to explain what's going on here, we need to define some terms. Well, even before I do that, I'm going to keep repeating this over and over again. But, you know, as I said, I've been teaching this for about 40 years now, and no one has ever told me that you say this too often. There is no shame. There is no shame in experiencing what Julie experiences here. In fact, we have no sign here at all that she's negligent or just just uh, being lackadaisical about her spiritual life. Everything says just the opposite, actually. So when we go through this kind of experience, it's important to um, feel the the right liberation from any sense that it's somehow I should be ashamed of myself for being in this situation, nor is there any surprise in this. As we'll say, it is precisely because Julie is growing so beautifully in the spiritual life That she undergoes this trial. So let's clarify a few terms. Ignatius will tell us that Julie is experiencing a spiritual desolation brought on by the enemy, which God is permitting for reasons of a love that he'll describe a little bit later. So let's clarify the terms. In every spiritual life, there are three actors. There is the individual, in this case, Julie, there is the good spirit, and by good spirit, Ignatius means obviously God himself, the Holy Spirit who works directly in the hearts of his children. He also means the good angels. I don't think we think enough about them, uh, the power that they have given to them by God and their closeness to us. So their are um, beneficial effects as we live our spiritual lives. By this, Ignatius also means the richness of spiritual life poured into us through baptism. So the indwelling of the Trinity, sanctifying grace, faith, hope, and love, and all the the various virtues, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, individual charisms that God has given to each of us in individual ways. That whole richness of grace that the spiritual writers call the supernatural organism. And finally, by good spirit, Ignatius would also understand all of those influences around us, which, if we open ourselves to them, will lead us toward God. So Emily is an instrument of the Good Spirit uh, for Julie. Father Reed is an instrument of the Good Spirit for the various people that we've been seeing. Uh, A spouse may be an instrument of the Good Spirit. A spiritual book or podcast or talk on the web that you listen to can be an instrument of the Good Spirit and so forth. So we'll use this term good spirit in the sense of God himself, and then all of those influences which are from God and directed toward God. The third actor is the one Ignatius most commonly calls the enemy. So I'll use that same terminology. It's a good word. The one who is inimical to or against the way God intended us to live in this world and unto eternity. So this too, Ignatius simply uses in the classic sense. It's the classic triad. So Satan and his associated fallen angels, um, the wound in us as a legacy of original sin, which we call concupiscence, and then any harmful influences around us in the world, the which, if we open ourselves to them, will lead us away from God. So we'll use that term enemy in that uh, total sense as well. So what Ignatius sees in what Julie is experiencing is a tactic of the enemy. And specifically he describes this as darkness of soul. And you see this all in, in what Julie writes, she's confused and she can't make sense out of what's happening with a with a sense, a heavy sense that things are going badly and are probably going to get worse. If she's not aware of what's going on, there's no shame, no surprise that she's experiencing it actually. The fact that she's experiencing it, as we've said earlier, is a very good sign. The enemy wouldn't try to discourage her if she wasn't progressing in such a good way in the spiritual life. And if if Julie, maybe Emily will be her help here. Maybe she can find a, a Father Reed or someone to speak with or online resources like those that um, we're help, hoping to make available uh, if she can come to um, be aware of what's going on and name it for the tactic of the enemy that it is, these discouraging lies of spiritual desolation, and then firmly set it aside and reject it and stay solidly on track with her prayer, with going to mass, uh, she's not only going, not only will she not be harmed by this struggle, and this is why God even permits it, but she'll actually grow. And another time when things like this happen, she'll be stronger. She'll be quicker to be aware of it, to, to name it, and to reject it.
0: We'll return to Struggles in the Spiritual Life Their Nature and Their Remedies with Father Timothy Gallagher.
1: Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless.
0: A prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola.
1: Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it everything is yours do with it what you will give me only your love and your grace that is enough for
0: me amen did you know that discerning hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite discerning hearts programming father timothy gallagher dr anthony lillis deacon james keating mike aquilina Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies with Father Timothy Gallagher.
1: So this is a first experience of spiritual desolation. Probably all of us at various times have experienced something of this, and there's nothing dramatic about it. Uh, This is ordinary, sort of daily experience in the spiritual life, no surprise when we undergo this. But what does matter, as we've been saying, is to be aware of it and reject it. And precisely because this kind of experience is undramatic and ordinary and daily, precisely because of that, it's really important to be aware of it, to name it and reject it in this case. Because this is where almost all of the spiritual life is lived, precisely in these ups and downs of the daily spiritual living. All right, one more thing to add here. So, what should Julie do? Well, as we've mentioned, she's doing one thing very well. It took her three months to do it. You know, it was a bit of a struggle, but she does do it. She um, she shares with a good spiritual friend what's going on, and you can guess that probably good things are, are going to come out of that. Um, the first thing Ignatius would say is just don't change anything in your spiritual life when you're experiencing this kind of darkness or any form of spiritual desolation, this is his famous rule five, in eight words, in time of desolation, never make a change. So I'll say that again, in time of desolation, never, strong word, in time of desolation, never make a change, by which he means this. If you know that you are in a time of spiritual desolation, as Julie is, Don't ever change anything that you'd plan to do in your spiritual life before that desolation began. So Julia is getting to daily Mass as often as she can. She's praying for 15 minutes every morning with Scripture. The first thing Ignatius says is, don't let any of that go. Don't change anything. Stay, Stay firm and constant, which are two beautiful words in the spiritual life. Firm, unyielding, constant, unyielding over time. Just stay solidly on track and don't change anything. That's the first key counsel for uh, getting through this. So, this is a first experience of spiritual desolation.
0: It's important, Father Gallagher, isn't it, to recall those exact words? Don't make a change in your spiritual practices. Now, if you've gone back, as we've discussed in the previous conversations on non spiritual desolation, sometimes when we're experiencing this heaviness, As you said, it's good to take a look at, you know, what we're doing physically, what's affecting us in our humanity. And maybe that's where a change needs to take place, making sure that we get to bed early and to do those kinds of things or make sure we eat well. But in this particular case, we're talking about not making a change immediately or or imprudently in your spiritual practice. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a good uh, point to bring out. Very often, I think what Ignatius says, you know, in time of, des- well, amplified, in time of spiritual desolation, don't ever make a change to any spiritual practice that you had in place before the desolation began. I think very often that's going to work on the non-spiritual level as well. So, for example, uh, here's a woman who is struggling with depression, and wisely, she's seeing a counselor, and uh, one day she comes in, And she says, I think I'm going to quit my job and move. The counselor is very likely going to say something like, you know, this may not be the best time for you to make changes like that. Let's work through the depression. And then when we're on the other end of it, we can look at this again. So very often that is going to work on the non-spiritual level as well. But Ignatius here is specifically focusing on the spiritual level. And the word never, Ignatius never uses a superfluous adverb. To use one philosopher's language, it is a categorical imperative. You know, there just is no exception to it. I I can't tell you, Chris, how grateful I am for Rule 5 in my own life, how many bad decisions I have not made because of Rule 5. And um, whenever I meet with people when we've gone through this teaching, and sometimes it's 10, 15 more years later, Most of the time, Rule 5 comes up. And I think there's a special grace of that. In time of desolation, never make a change. So this is the first thing that that, uh, Julie needs to do here is just stay on track uh, and not change anything when she's in this struggle. The lie of this, the enemy's lie, is that none of this is working. You know, you kind of thought something was going to change. Look at that. What a mess. Um, You're never going to change. So these are these cruel lies of the enemy, but they're only lies. So the first thing is stay on track.
0: It begs the question, doesn't it, Father Gallagher, that some may have, well, what if I entered into spiritual practices or it seemed as though they were very consoling to me, but maybe I bit off more than I could chew? Maybe that before even starting, making sure that I don't try to do all the things that seem attractive to me in the spiritual life.
1: Yeah, that brings us back to a point we touched on earlier. Choose solid practices, well-centered practices in the spiritual life, sacraments, meditation, liturgy of the hours, rosary, lexio, and so forth, and then choose a sustainable amount of time for them. A man. I remember a man telling me that uh, he'd been on a retreat, and on the retreat, they had learned about the examine prayer, which is the classic examination of conscience, which incorporates the dimension of these kinds of things that we're talking about now. So you're also looking at this kind of spiritual experience. And uh, he loved it. And so he started dedicating a half hour to pray it every evening. So you can tell me the sequel. It lasted for a few months and then he was unable to uh, sustain it. It would have been better to choose seven minutes, eight minutes, ten minutes, five minutes. It's better to choose less and know that it's sustainable than it is to try for the ideal, so to speak, you know, within quotes, because it isn't really the ideal if it's not sustainable. But it's better to choose less And then when the time is right, if God's leading that way, you can always add more. But you want it to be solid and you want it to be sustainable. I think what uh, Julie is doing here appears to be sustainable. She's going to daily Mass when she's able. It's not every day. And she doesn't have too much of a struggle in finding these 10, 15 minutes every morning to pray with the readings. It is
0: also, I think, for in in Julie's case and in many other people's cases that by looking at the space of time, you know, she did this over three months and it it seemed very fruitful in today's culture. it, It could be said that our sense of time has, and how long something should last or endure has shrunk significantly. We have the patience for maybe a week or maybe in some cases, even after a few days, because we are living at a time where that Kronos timeline just seems to have been saturated with busyness. So I, I wonder how, you know, giving an opportunity to keep going in some folks' minds, you know, how long is that? How And am I affected some way by that the modern understanding of what a good amount of time would be
1: mm-hmm. well the first thing is how long should this last it should last as long as god loves you and you want to return his love which is to say throughout the entirety of our life here on earth which is please god the entrance into an eternity of doing the same thing being loved and uh, and loving but I you think you you bring up a good point about the, the pace, the rapidity, sound bites, and all the rest, you know, that are around us in the culture today. And I've often thought that apart from the, I guess you'd say, uh, spiritual benefits of prayer, which are many, there is a, a very rich human benefit in it now, because it may be that for maybe many of us that time of prayer is maybe the one time of silence you know that we have in the course of the day the one time when we're not running and things slow down prayer, prayer is indispensable you know for the spiritual life because it's at, that's the the heart of the communion with god where we can hear that still small voice and know that we're loved and respond to it and find strength but i, I would almost think that in a culture like ours that has gotten well, Thoreau said 150 years ago that lives too fast. You know, um, prayer has other benefits now, and uh, just on a on a human level, you'll have more peace. You won't feel so rushed. Silence will bless us. It may take a little getting used to it, uh, but when we are faithful to it, uh, the benefits grow, and they grow exponentially as we do that.
0: Just as a reminder for. Everyone, I think those are words that we really need to understand. By spiritual desolation, he intends a heaviness of heart, and so desolation, on the level of our relationship with God, and so spiritual. So that is the, the area that we're entering into and is explored in depth in struggles in the spiritual life.
1: Um, so spiritual desolation, as you've just said, it's um, it's an affective heart level experience You speak of head thoughts thinking logic and so forth and heart feelings emotions affective stirrings desolation is a, a heart level experience and it's a heavy heart level experience on the level of our relationship with god as you see with uh, julie here now its counterpart is the gift of the good spirit which is spiritual consolation which is also a heart level experience but it's an uplifting joyful happy experience Uh, on the level of our spiritual lives. And you see that in Julie in the first few emails that she sends to uh, Emily, the greater peace that she's experiencing. Her faith is more alive. She feels God's love and God's closeness. So these are the two experiences that Ignatius will be looking at. Now, he's going to spend more time with desolation because we tend to struggle more with that than with spiritual consolation.
0: We'll continue our conversation with Father Gallagher in our next episode. You've been listening to Struggles in the Spiritual Life: Their Nature and Their Remedies with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com or you can find it in the free Discerning Hearts app. You can also view the video of this presentation by visiting the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies with Father Timothy Gallagher.